to another episode of Ruby for All. Julie, you are in a different location with a friend. What's going on? What's happening? Today, I am in New York City, and I've been here for a few days now. I'm here for a work event, and I'm taking a break to record this episode. And I'm in a very fancy hotel room where you can set the lighting mode of this shower to be Mm. different colors. And the shades go up and down with the little iPad mini that they've provided. Does the shower have party mode? I do not know, but I will have to find out. What is party mode? Well, party mode is like flashing lights, all the colors that only ran once, but you get the idea. I need all the sensation. (laughs) I guess I could do that if I just kept changing the controls wildly back and forth. Kind of, but not as fast as your thing. I like pretty colors. What's up with you? Work. I'm about to get to rest off. <laughs> I'm so excited for you. Yeah. I've got a lot of work to do in between then and now. But... Oh, then I'll be excited for you when you get on that yeah. plane. Well, be excited for me when I get off the plane. Putting me on a plane for like an extended amount of time is not good for anyone. Like I need to move. I need space. There's a lot of smells in this area. I don't like it. <laughs> I got sick on the plane on the way here. It was very turbulent. I was in a middle seat. I gave up my aisle seat to be in a middle seat so that a couple can be together. And I'm small enough where if I'm in the middle seat, I can still move my legs around. So I figured I'm okay with it. You're a better person than me. Cause I'm like, <laughs> nope, if I'm going to be alone, you are too. <laughs> but you have a friend with you. We have a guest. Josh, I have a, back. yes. Hi. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. And by here, I do mean, of course, the room where you can control the show. Not bad. It's pretty great. I would be very interested in that room. There's a lot of buttons, it sounds like. I'm a big fan of pressing buttons. Oh, yeah. Even ones that shouldn't be pressed. Especially the ones that say do not press. Well, that's just asking to be pressed. <laughs> so y'all are together in person. That's very cool. I hope y'all are having fun. And it sounds like y'all have a topic for today. Yes. Well, Josh is a former mentor, but we still keep in touch and I still use you as a mentor. So I was thinking maybe we can talk about how we can use our managers in a way that can benefit us and how we can talk to our managers that will help the both of us move forward in our career path and leveling up. Sounds good to me. Where do y'all want to start? Can I tell the story? Please. No, you cannot tell a story. So Julie and I have this mutual friend slash former manager who I did clear with them two minutes ago. Kip is okay with me naming them. Kip is a great manager. And one of the things that Kip really helped me with was figuring out where to put my energies. At the time, I was senior, not staff, and I was hoping to become staff. And Codecademy, where all three of us were employed at the time, has this set of competencies. Like one is communication. Another is software design. Like you have to be good at most or all of them in order to get promoted relative to your level. And at the time, later with Kip's help, realized I was putting most of my energy into a few of those and not so much into the others. So just to start, I'd say a really good thing a manager can do is help you understand where are your strengths and weaknesses relative to the competencies that the company judges you on for money and for a position. And then how can you rearrange your effort to make sure you're growing in the areas that will benefit you and the ones around you the most? What was some advice that you received that really benefited you? Ooh, the tough thing was to know when to stop growing as much in an area. Like I always, for example, really liked just like hardcore software design. I thought it's cool to learn like dependency injection and all these things. 
But after a certain point in time, when you've invested in an area, you don't need to keep investing in it to get a promotion. If you've already hit the goal for the next level, maybe it's more important that, say, you work on execution, like not causing bugs in production as I am wants to do. That was a big thing of working on the things that you're worse at, more likely to mess up, but are also associated with things you need to get better at. What is a dependency injection? I have a manager who loved dependency injection. And it's basically like this idea of, Josh, I would like you to like give your sure. definition of it, but it's basically <laughs> this idea of like, you always inject the dependencies of what the object needs so that the object doesn't know about things it shouldn't know. It's the concept from Sandy Metz in yeah. Lens specifically. Yeah. Let's say that you have a function, like it's a method of an instance of a class or just some function somewhere that is supposed to read from a database and return some result from reading. And it's totally fine to, in that function, say my database.read or whatever, but let's say you want a unit test. Now you have to somehow mock out the database. So dependency injection is kind of the general idea of instead of having this dependency inside the function on the database, you provide it in some way, let's say as a function parameter. So it receives the thing that talks to the database as a parameter, which then forces you to pass in a properly, hopefully mocked version in tests. And then maybe you can reuse it with different databases or whatever in production code later on if you need. So like this stuff, I think it's all really cool to learn. No one comes into the industry just knowing whatever, dependency injection, all the bajillion other things. So there's always more to learn. But after a while, I sufficiently learned these things enough that I probably needed to focus on other areas of growth more. Yeah. And to state it simply, like dependency injection in Ruby means passing objects or classes as inputs or parameters to other objects or classes when they need them. Just like you take a toy from a toy box to play with it. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Thanks so, for the ELI5 version. I literally said explain dependency injection to Ruby like I'm five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's good information. So what other benefits have you found with this? It can test your manager. I mean, look at this from the perspective of a manager or a mentor giving someone advice. And the advice is go do more of the things that you're not as good at. That's hard as a manager. If you have to advocate for your reports, spending time on things that they're not going to do as well, that takes faith as a manager that they're going to get better. It takes faith in your managerial coworkers, the peers of your manager, that that's the right thing to do. And I think that a poorly set up company or manager managee relationship wouldn't be as conducive to this. Or like if the company is low trust, where managers are stabbing each other in the back constantly, it doesn't really give people room to do the stuff that they need to grow in, but aren't good at yet. How do you establish trust as a manager with the people that you manage? I've never actually been a manager of a full-time employee, only a intern or two. Me and Andrea talked about this briefly at our talk at RubyConf Mini about how we needed to establish trust in order for us to be our, quoting, whole selves at work. And one of the ways that my manager helped us develop this trust is that he can be vulnerable and share things like, let's say he made a mistake. He can own up to that. Or when he doesn't know something, he will share that he doesn't know the something. And a manager who will not do those things will make it less likely that I will want to open up and share the thing that I'm struggling with. And so I feel like he developed trust that way, at least for me. So leading by example, it sounds like a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm the type of person who... I'm like very good at sussing out like the type of people are, if that makes sense. 
I have a good read on people, I feel like. So for me, it's definitely like what you just said of like, whether or not you can tell that this person is authentic and like the things they are telling you are like, sounds like they're from a human, not from like a programmed manager bot from ChatGBT. <laughs> but the other aspect of it is, do I feel like they are on my side? Are they advocating for me? Are they listening to the things I'm saying and then doing whatever they deem is best or whatever we deem is best with that information instead of like, if I tell them like, oh, there's this massive issue I've discovered in our organization. And then the response to that can very easily tell you like the type of person's, oh, that's a great thing. Like I'll escalate that. And then seeing that escalation that's just one example, but like valuing your input, letting you know that your input is valued, opening up to you, letting you open up to them, all the aspects of that we already associate with trustworthy people to begin with. Yeah. I think a good manager would be able to also not necessarily change their managerial style, but to change the way they might communicate with different people because everyone is so different. Yeah. Even just learning how to communicate with you as their report individually. I've seen people come in already with an established style and have to retroactively change it when it doesn't work. But simple things like, how do you like to have on ones recorded or managed? Like just figuring out what the person wants at a time may be really impactful in a positive way. One of the things that I also think helps me in my relationship with my manager is knowing what I do like. I think for a long time, I had no idea that I liked feedback a certain way or that I prefer Slack over Zoom calls. Those are types of examples where I feel like if I know those things, I can tell my manager and then we can work together on how to develop this relationship together instead of what I assume should happen. And then like it doesn't work well with me. And then I end up not being able to share some of my struggles because it doesn't work well. So Josh, how can a good manager kind of suss those things out or tease those things out? If you're establishing a new relationship, with a new manager-managee relationship. What are like some kind of steps that you like to see, I guess, is a way to word that? Yeah, I'm going to keep restating this because I think it's very important, but asking. I like making a list. I'm a big checklist person. Read the Checklist Manifesto, great book that Kip, our favorite manager, recommended to me. So the checklist of asking how you prefer to receive small feedback, praise, big feedback, et cetera. Getting the manager involved in things is nice. Like I've had managers who you said... I like to know what you do, did not know what I was doing on a day-to-day. And that's ridiculous. And not just knowing the tasks you're doing, but kind of the technical areas. I personally get a lot of work done typically in like the developer tooling side of things, like making sure that tests run quickly. And if you hit save in your editor, the web page you're working on updates, like managers who they don't have to be experts, but they should at least know that's the type of stuff you work on. These are the names of the major libraries. Because if I have a problem and I need to ask them for help, they should at least be able to tell me who around me in the organization works in some of those same buzzwords, right? So in addition to asking, just like knowing what I work on, it'd be nice. Hey there, I'm Andrew Mason, and I've got an amazing gem to tell you about, Avo. It helps you build content management systems and internal tools with Ruby on Rails incredibly fast. You don't need to deal with any CSS or JavaScript files as Avo takes care of all the UI work for you, resulting in a modern, mobile-first CRUD interface ready to deploy. Plus, it provides access to features almost every application needs, like actions, filters, search, sorting, active storage integration, dashboards, and much more. So if you're looking for an ultra-powerful and maintainable platform to build your next product or service, look no further. Avo harnesses the power of Rails, Hotwire, Tailwind, CSS, few components to provide you with a fast and easy-use stack the Rails way. 
Don't wait any longer. Visit avohq.io and give Avo a try today. You won't regret it. I think one thing that you didn't say, but I think like that I've seen really benefit me is asking how people like to receive feedback, whether it's in the moment or like later and privately. If I screw up, I want you to be like, yo, wait, hold up, pause. You just messed up. A lot of people don't like that. They don't want to be called out in public. They want it to be private. So that's just something that when I think like things that my company has done really well in terms of getting and establishing that relationship, that was one of the questions I'd never heard before, but really like and wish a lot more people would ask. Are you familiar with the concept of the double down sandwich? I am not. It is a sandwich that is the opposite of the norm. It's what is it from KFC? It's instead of bread, oh, yeah. meat, bread, it's meat, bread, meat. Yeah, with like, yeah. Like fried yeah, chicken yeah. on the outside. Okay. Are you familiar with the concept of a feedback sandwich where you're supposed to soften people up with the bread, a nice compliment, then tell them something that you want to give concern or criticism, whatever on, and then make them happy with bread? I have gone to the point where I just tell people straight out, if you're going to feedback sandwich me, it needs to be a double down. You need to criticize me at the very least first. Then you're allowed to praise me. But then you got to come up with some other thing. I don't like being praised. It makes me uncomfortable. I, it's not useful to me as my perspective. I might be wrong or whatever. I want people to tell me how to get better as violently and cruelly and immediately as possible, which is not how most people operate. Yes. What's really funny about this is I need those things that you both are saying, but I also, we talked about this earlier, the rejection sensitivity. When that does happen, I will dwell all day on the thing that you said, even though I need it and it's good for me because it's how I'm going to grow. I will be so sad for the day. Yeah. I mean, I do that too. It depends on the way it comes across. Right. Yeah. Sometimes you ask for a double down and they forget the bread. Sometimes you ask for a double down and you're wrong. You should have asked for, I don't know, a hummus platter or something. The analogy is falling apart. Yeah. And then perhaps that's another trait of a good manager where they should be able to tell both the things you prefer and when you are wrong about your own preference, because that sometimes, you know, you're wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. I like the idea of the double down sandwich. And I agree. It's hard for me to receive praise as well. I don't want praise. I want recognition. It's like that occasional, like, hey, you're doing a good job. Like, I don't want you to sit there and praise me, but it's nice to know when you're doing a good job. What our manager has been doing recently, which I really like, is being specific in what he is praising us about. So we call it snaps. And every now and then he will share these snaps and he'll state the name of the person and exactly what they worked on. So for example, I've been working on some Apple SSO and he will say like, great job getting Apple SSO out the door. That was recognition versus good job. Yeah. Those things are nice. We have a bot in our Slack group where every two weeks or whatever, it's like, I'll tell you the exact messages. Hey, it's been a while since you've shouted out someone for doing a good job. No sweat. We all get busy. Would you like to do it? Who deserves a shout out for something they did great recently? And then you can write in this template a shout out and then it gets posted to the whole team. Oh, is this a Slack bot that goes to your personal DM and then you fill it in and then it's sent to a channel? That's really nice. I like that. Yeah. What ours is just like a reminder in one of our team channels. It just sends a reminder there and then we write a thread. We but I like a- that idea. We use a service called Know Your Team, which we also use to manage our one-on-ones. We also use to track employee preferences. Like those things I said about things that Podia asked me about the way I work, those things are all written down in this application and I can go see that for every developer. So if I'm like, I'm getting on a new project with someone, 
oh, how does this person like to work? How do they like to receive feedback? It's all right there. I don't have to ask them. I usually still do because I like to ask, but it's a nice reminder because you forget. And I like that it sends it to the whole team. It's not just me. I wouldn't just send it to you. It's like, hey, team, this person's killing it. Here's why. I also, side note, really love the phrasing there. No sweat. Everyone gets busy, but would you like to? Oh, that's so kind. That's really yeah. nice. Yep. It's great. So what else with manager-managee relationships should we get into? I personally keep giant Notion database table thing of everyone I talk to. And I'm not good at filling it out, but at the very least for recurring one-on-ones, I put summaries during the meetings there. It means that I can keep track of things for people. If they're, say, vegetarian, I'll put it in there so that I don't invite them to steak or whatever. If it's a double down, they'll get the vegan equivalent. And then also it means that I can look back at things and say like, oh, what were they working on six months ago? How did that go? I would recommend this for everyone who has the energy to do so, whether it's Notion or just like a text document or whatever. And I definitely recommend that if you are finding that your manager doesn't follow up on things, perhaps your manager should be doing a better job of keeping track of stuff. Because the manager should keep track of your growth over time and see if you're still working on things in a few months or even years after you mentioned them. Yeah. I'll give an example of this. Today, I had a one-on-one with my manager and he said, one of the goals that you gave us a while back, because they asked me for like goals. What are some goals that you have outside of just working here? What are your professional goals? And I was like, I would like to contribute to Rails. So this morning in our one-on-one, he's like, hey, by the way, have you made any progress on that goal? Let's talk about it. And we did. And so yeah, it's there are ways to keep track of it. I use Obsidian. I have tried Notion before. But I also keep like a database of people as well to like remember like, when did I meet them? What did we talk about? And preferences like that. Those are also good to know. Like I don't drink. So when people invite me out for drinks, it's like, well, then I have to go through this whole explanation of like why I don't drink. And if I had already met you and you're like, oh, I already know that about that person. That's great. It shows them that they're important to you. Yeah. I keep a little cell or column or whatever for perfect Saturday. Because whenever I go on a first one-on-one with someone, I like to ask them their perfect Saturday. I think it's one of the best icebreaker questions ever. It can be very shallow, very surface level if you don't want to go too deep. Just, oh yeah, I like going to the beach or whatever. Or you can start going too well. This makes me happy because when I was a child, dot, dot, dot. You can always ask trivia based off of it. Like, oh, have you gone to a rave? Like your perfect Saturday describes in the past year since we last talked. Little pro tip. Those are great. Yeah, that personal connection is very important, I feel like. Yeah. Like for establishing trust, like we've talked about, but it's also just establishing like a good working relationship. Oh, yeah. That's a good manager thing, right? Knowing literally anything about you personally as a human. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Having a document all about you. <laughs> I do feel mildly sociopathic, keeping track of people like a machine, but I, it's super useful. And if I have a manager, I want them to know like, oh, I had X thing happen to me. That's traumatic. Please don't bring up this topic unless it's gentle. I like these YZ things like you should care about your reports if you're a manager as people, not just because that strongly impacts how they work, but also because they're people. There's stories about people who never forgot like a person's name and their kids' names and stuff like that. And there's like scientific data to show like people like hearing their own name. And just the fact of like you remembering their name can mean a whole lot to someone implicitly or not. Am I the only person that doesn't like being called by my name? I don't know, Julie, are you? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) The number one reason startups fail is that they run out of money. There are so many ways for startups to lose money. Downtime should not be one. 
Recent studies found that downtime can cost $427 per minute for small businesses and up to $9,000 per minute for medium-sized businesses. That's every single minute. A monthly subscription with Honey Badger helps you prevent costly downtime by giving you all the monitoring you need in one easy-to-use platform so you can quickly understand what's going on and how to fix it, which helps you stay in business. Get started today in as little as five minutes at honeybadger.io with plans starting at free. Yeah, you heard me, free. A big thank you to Honey Badger for sponsoring this episode of Ruby for All. One of the things that my manager does for our one-on-ones, he writes notes and keeps track of our conversations, but we've also been writing goals and it's more of a collaborative goals. And it's like a 30, 60, 90, but since it's past 90, it's more of like quarterly goals. And then we separate it by month and we each talk about what might he want me to do for that month. And then I think about what I might want to do for that month. And then we'll do them by quarters. And that's been helpful. And we try to make it smart. I don't remember what the acronym stands for, but being specific enough that it is something that I know when I've accomplished it versus like get better at Ruby. That's not very specific. I know like half of this. Is it specific, measurable, actionable? I don't remember the other two. Is it achievable or actionable or attainable? It's specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. Nice. Relevant. I want to be a juggler. You do. I can juggle maybe 10. Like, I think I could do 10 before they fall out. That's awesome. That's pretty impressive. Really? Yeah. You can't do that. You can do your bucket list. Things to do before X age. Before we kind of start winding things down, what do you do when you have disagreements or problems with your manager? So those are like three really interesting questions. What to do if you have a problem with team member outside your team? What to do if you have a problem with team member in your team or rather outside or inside your manager's purview? And then the manager themselves. Because the first two, you talk to the manager, right? Or depending on the problem, maybe you talk to the team member. If you've tried that and failed or if you don't feel comfortable, talk to your manager. But what happens if you don't have a good thing with your manager? Can you talk to their manager? Can you talk to one of the prisoners? I don't know. I feel like it's so situation dependent. People have such a strong aversion to tattling. Like I would never talk to someone's manager without talking no to snitching. them. But sometimes well, you should snitch. Like if your manager does something bad, right? Well, if they do something bad, that's one thing, right? But the problem with that is it can be seen as going over their head, which can make things infinitely worse, depending on the person. Some people take that hierarchy very seriously. Like if you go over my head, you're supposed to talk to me something, you go over my head, now we have a problem. But there's some validity to that. If you and your manager have a problem that's not so severe that it needs outside help, generally, as with anyone, the right first approach is oftentimes to talk to them about it. It might be scary. Like this person, what, whether you're a manager, they have control of your career, blah, blah, blah. But if you don't like something they're doing, the right thing often is to talk to them. And if they're a good manager, they can take a step outside of their own skin and think about it and discuss with you. Like they should get better at this thing if it's hurting you. I have a friend who had an issue with their manager and did one of those sandwich methods to try to talk to their manager about it. And their manager didn't take it very well. And then they went to their skip level and then their skip level supported the manager instead of them. And so that only leads to one other option. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean... Finding a different manager. Yeah, or leaving the company. company. There's that old saying of like, HR companies aren't there to protect workers. They're there to protect the company. 
it's kind of the same thing when I hear that story. I've seen that happen before where they're going to take up for the people who are more valuable to them, right? You have one developer who's got a problem with a manager. That manager's been there for a while. They have leverage, they have pull. There's inner working like relationships and power dynamics at play. It can get really sticky. And unfortunately for a lot of people, like the answer isn't just leave. Although ideally it would be because you're kind of in a lose-lose situation there. Yeah. The best outcome generally is that you work it out. Nothing needs to change and people learn and grow from the thing. And I think that's what happens most of the time. And it's dangerous to come into situations where your manager is doing something you don't assume negative intent or assume that it's not going to go well. Generally, of course, unless it's like really bad, like working with them is nice. And from HR's perspective, you two working it out is the least dangerous and damaging to the company. So hopefully they're there to try to get that first before any of the the not so good outcomes. Well, is there anything else we want to touch on before we start wrapping up here? There's one thing I would like to say, and that is if you are considering leveling up, now is a good time to have that conversation with your manager because they can help find those projects that will help with the, so Josh mentioned those competencies, find those projects that will hone in on those competencies that you want to be working on and other parts of your job where it's not just coding or whatever. They can find those opportunities for you and work with you like my manager's doing with my monthly goals. If I wanted to shoot for a promotion, then we will maybe be more aggressive about what I want to do, or maybe I work on different things. And that kind of goes back to advocating for you. So like if my manager knows, sorry, Josh, I don't like working on React. So if my manager knows that about me and there's like a project meeting that I'm not a part of, then for me, I expect them to be advocating, well, if we want Andrew to be the most productive and most happy, like maybe sticking him on this nine month React project isn't the way to go. So it's that advocating for you and what your goals are and how to make you a better developer to your face and behind your back to their managers. I'm so tempted to make a joke about, they should also push you out of your comfort zone. But no, everything you said is totally valid and reasonable. You're not wrong at all. Actually, I'll tell you this. I got feedback on my, what is it? Your end of year stuff, whatever. And they were like, hey... We know you don't like working on React. We have some React though. So like, it would be nice if you would maybe put in some time to learning a bit more about it or whatever the issue is. They thought I just didn't know React. That's not the problem. I just don't like React. But they were like, what can we do to like maybe make this easier? Because there's no way that you can forever avoid the React that we have in our code base. And they were like, we'll help you. Like if you need guides, if you need courses, like we'll buy you whatever you need. So you're right. Pushing you out of your comfort zone is important. Because like for me, don't ever hand me a React project. I don't want it. But that's not realistic necessarily. And so they're like, hey, we do need to push you out of your comfort zone a little. How can we support that? Right? Versus just, no, you have to write React. Here you go. I like that. We keep answering the original question of what should a good manager or could a good manager do and giving you resources to help you with these things. In addition to that, asking you if it's a dislike versus an inability or other adjectives and verbs and nouns. And actually, this brings up another thing. End of year review, performance review, whatever you want to call it. There's a saying, it should never be a surprise. You should never be surprised to see anything on there, good, bad, neutral, whatever. Your manager should tell you these things and give you a chance to work on them before they show up in your permanent record. Like that, that's the closest thing we have a permanent record as adults, right? Our perfect views within the company. 100%. Yeah. 
Yeah. And ideally they're working on working on helping you improve those throughout the year so that it's yeah. not an issue when it comes to the end of the year, you've already solved it. Yeah. There's an almost chartable progress for these things of anything that shows up there that's significant enough to show up there. That's not some sudden thing. They should have brought it up ahead of time, tried to work on it with you, mapped it out to one of the competencies or whatever the company calls the things you're judged on and been able to show marked improvement or lack thereof by the end of the cycle. 100%. And if your manager isn't doing this, well, now you know what to ask for. Yay. Yeah, exactly. I think we're good. I hope y'all have fun with whatever y'all end up doing in New York City. Josh, it's great to see you as always. I'm sure we'll be back. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming back. Y'all are friendly. I like this. (laughs) That's That's the Ruby community for you. Yeah. Yeah. I do like TypeScript, by the way. Yay. Big fan fan of TypeScript. At some point, you two should talk about Sorbet and type checking in Ruby and that whole thing, because I think it's really cool. And I want to learn more about it because I've done nothing with Sorbet. I did Sorbet a long time ago. I did RBS very recently, which is the new type checking syntax for Ruby. So yeah, we could talk about that sometime. Sounds good to me. Cool. I hope y'all have a great time, New York City. To the listeners, we will catch you all next week. Probably, maybe not. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.